Vlad here. Welcome to Cat Pick Friday's episode number 49. Hey, the next one will be number 50. Yay! 50 weeks of this madness. And once again, I'm joined by Mr. Richard Morgan. Richard, the thing behind me is that the polar bear. <laughs> Unlikely, <laughs> but not impossible. I've been observing the thing behind you, and it could be one of two or three different mythical Finnish beasts. Perhaps you could tell us, especially for the benefit of those who aren't watching this but listening to it, what you have behind you there atop your keyboard. That is a unicorn because my daughter thought I absolutely need to have it on the show. Who am I to disagree? Everything is better. Like any show is better when you have unicorns on, on it as well. Maybe. I don't know. And I can't think of any show which is worse for having a unicorn on it. So I'll agree with that. It's a very yeah, good point. Go. I think that we can state it as a fact now. But thank yep. you so much for liking, sharing, subscribing, uh, listening, watching, commenting, emailing us your questions at podcast at com And in this show, as with few previous ones, you really delivered on the comments and stuff like that. Uh, we're going to dive into a bunch of your comments and questions later in the show, and overall just a packed show. Uh, Timestamps, if you want to jump to a certain section in the show notes as well, and on YouTube you have that cool skippable thing. But yeah, so many things to talk about. There's a bunch of Gibsons. By the way, we're doing like in a brand order. So we're going to talk about the Gibson BB King Lucy Legacy. There's a Gibson Mike Ness 1967 Les Paul Deluxe. Then there's Kramer, who by the way is owned by Gibson. Pays a classic series, then we jump to Fenderland, so Squire 40th anniversary models, Squire classic vibe baritone custom telly, which I'm incredibly excited about, and I think Rich was too, he's nodding. And then there's the, another Fender brand, Charvel, Guthrie Govan signature guitar, he has updated his signature model, more Charvel signature models that I'm already forgetting. There are, I think, Steel Panther guys had few. Those Vox Mark III mini theater guitars. Uh, I'm laughing because they look funny. Uh, puzzle effects pedals. And as the name suggests, they're literally puzzle pieces. So we're going to talk about that. Cable Machines released the Chief Disruptor. And we also want to talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2022 inductees. And as I just mentioned, we're going to answer a bunch of your questions, comment on your comments, some really cool ones from last week's shows and a few from other things as well. And in Weekend Watch, we're going to check out a cool video from 12 Tone, a channel that we both like. But before we move on to other topics, Rich, how are you doing? Life's been busy for both of us lately, I think. It has, but I'm doing good despite all that, actually. Thank you for asking. You know, normally at this time of year, I would be quite down because I would have come back from the NAMM show, you know, sunning myself in the Southern Californian heat while checking out mm. all the new gear that's coming out in the year and, you know, having spent time with good friends and people I've known from the industry for many years in some cases. And that's always a massive highlight. And then you come back to freezing, snowy Germany and things get worse. But, you know, this year, obviously, it hasn't happened. NAM is scheduled for June. And that also means that I've been spending a lot of time preparing stuff for this potential NAM show. 
a lot of work is going into that. A lot of work is going into a product launch and something else mm. which is happening. And yeah, there's just other things, life going on. It's a weird time right now still for everybody. What with the global pandemic still going on and it's it's taken a lot out of people. But I feel like 2022 could be a year that we turn a corner. I'm still an optimist yeah. in that respect. And I believe you might also be a little bit optimistic about this year. You've also been incredibly busy and I know you've got some interesting projects in the pipeline as well, haven't you? Could you tell us about any of those or is that kind of top secret? <laughs> Well, I guess it's not top secret. Uh, I'm most likely moving from full-time freelancing to at least part-time day job somewhere. But what it is, I don't know just yet. But there's like a bunch of stuff going on, so that should be interesting. Uh, yeah, the past couple of years haven't been that great for my business. A lot of, of my clients are just out of funds and cannot spend money on things they used to be able to do. And that obviously affects my job as well quite a lot. But I'm excited. Yeah. New challenges, new opportunities to get better at all of this. And the cool thing is like there's so many uh, like so many organizations, companies, all kinds of things are looking for. Like, hey, can you do video on, on a smaller scale type of stuff? And well, I'd like to say I can. So we'll see where, where I'll end up. At and Plus you also, got a unicorn. That's true. I have a unicorn. I might be building a mini studio at a different part of our home at some point in the near future as well, which I'm actually excited about as well. Um, but more on that later when it will actually happen. And yeah, uh, had a lot of fun doing the Pod Go live stream last week. Actually, like last week was crazy content-wise. I think I published five different videos. Something like that. Five that in a week. Stream. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and That's a lot of videos. Yeah. I'm super happy that I got the pod go now. Like when I tried the uh, external IRs with it, all of a sudden it became alive. That was my take. And yeah, I'm looking forward uh, to kind of getting to know mine a bit more and maybe maybe shooting a video with it this weekend. Mm. I've resolutely said so far that I don't want to spend money on external IRs because I feel that there should be good ones in there. But based on what you've said and based on a couple of other videos I've watched since you told me about external IRs, I've realized that if I want the highest quality from that unit, I'm probably going to have to spend the cash to, to get it, which is a shame. But mm. There you go. Yeah, luckily they're not that expensive and they make yeah. a massive difference. I mean, the funny thing is, like, it, it's been like this since the launch of the Helix units because I remember Pete Thorne being maybe the first one out of everyone who did a launch video for the Line Six Helix, like the just the first one. It was it was either him or Rob Chapman, one of those. And in that first video, Pete was already using external IRs with that unit. <laughs> So, and he, like any Helix demo he does, he always uses external IRs. I don't think he has ever used like stock cabinets in them. And he says that in yeah. the video and doesn't like really comment on it that much. But based on my experience with the podcast so far, I am not going to use the stock cabinets. It's like taking yeah. off like a blanket of your speaker or something like that. 
Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean, and you're probably right, but I just feel like if you're making a video to showcase a product and you actively use an external paid for, in this case, IR, CapSim, it's like people watching the video are actually not going to hear what the device itself sounds like. That's the thing that I'm currently struggling with in my head at the moment. If I'm going to shoot a video about mm. that product, and I don't know. I don't think it's dishonest to do it the way Pete does it. You know, he's transparent about the fact that he always uses his IRs, but it's like, if someone wants to hear what, let's say, the Helix is going to sound like, that that's not what it sounds like unless you purchase those IRs. And am I right in saying that they are his like signature personal IRs that you can also purchase? I think and from which might, he earns money? He, I don't he know. He has to have some sort of IR packs. I think he might have some with two nodes, but he might have some with someone else as well. I personally use Lancaster Audio, uh, not sponsored, but they have provide me, provided me with some IR packs in the past. I worked on some videos with Glenn, for example. So, yeah. But, uh, I, I'm like, to me, it took. Uh, the unit from being like, okay, this is a nice compromise to do all the gigs I'll be having this spring, which might be a lot, depending on how the situation evolves. There's some wedding stuff, maybe some church stuff. We'll see. Uh, but it took me from, like, using the external IRs took me from, uh, like, okay, this is a good compromise. Sounds like good enough for me to survive. Like to be able to do those gigs without like assembling like a temporary pedal board for each set, to like, wow, this is actually fun. This is highly practical and it sounds really good. So th that was a difference. That was the kind of the difference for me because the thing that I never liked about the Helix units before was the, how it felt to play and how everything was like a bit muddy and dark. Yeah. So there you go. But do we actually need to talk about all the news and things that have happened? This week, I think we probably have to. I think we should. And we have, we have just the segment to do that with recent happenings. And the happenings have been indeed happening, <laughs> whatever that means. I'm on fire today. No one and ever said a truer sentence than that one. They also happened recently. Things, I can confirm yes, that. Things have indeed happened, and one of those things is that Gibson has re released a Gibson BB King Lucille Legacy in transparent ebony. And yeah. that thing looks gorgeous. Look at that, does, for those it? who are watching on YouTube. Amazing. A bit of extra bling. Yes, I love that there's like a BB King style like jacket on the chair behind the guitar as well, and... Is this like some sort of like an old Gibson amp, or what? What, what amp is that? This one Are you of, with that? Yeah, when I saw the picture of this yesterday, I searched for it, and it is something called a Lab Series. It's an old, I think, a solid state amp about which I also know nothing. But as soon as I saw that, I thought, yeah, there must be something in this. It must be specific to BB King, and it turns out it is. So yeah, Lab Series. Mm. Yeah, the guitar looks amazing. It it looks like the other BB King guitars, and there's the is that are they calling that like a voice switch? What what was that like rotating knob you can use? But uh, looks amazing, amazing. <laughs> I don't know why why 
two words that I was trying to combine, but yeah, natural <laughs> finish, transparent, there's like a figured maple. Uh, not maple, ebony. Or, or is ebony referring to the color? I think it's the color and then there's like a maple top. Yeah, ebony is the back. color with a flame maple top. It's based on, it's a 355, right? The, the BB King? Yes. Not a 335? And yeah, the finish is transparent ebony. I think most people who are familiar with the BBC, the BBC, the BB King Lucille guitars <laughs> will know them to have been ebony. Homer. So kind of plain black. So a glossy black finish and not a lot of bling. So they, they've changed a few details here. The inloy, the inloys, I've lost the ability to pronounce simple <laughs> words. The inlays on this guitar are also different to previous Lucille models that I know. I've never played a Gibson Lucille, but I've played an Epiphone before, and it was a fantastic guitar. Mm. So I'm sure this one's going to be great as well. Let's just talk through some of the other specs, because for people who are just listening, it's a little bit different from your standard 335. Uh Hollow body guitar, 12-inch fingerboard radius, ebony fretboard, 22 frets. You've got, what are the pickups in it? Scroll down a bit. Yeah, Gibson's mm. custom buckers, two volumes, two tone controls, and a six-position mono varitone switch, oh, which is what you were referring to earlier when you yes, also lost indeed. the ability to say basic words. Um, and that gives you just some basic tonal switching options, doesn't it? Some different sounds. Yep. You've got CTS pots in it, paper and oil bumblebee caps as well, and a hand-wired loom, just as you should expect for this model, and it costs a cool 7000 US dollars. So this is not going to be a model that everyone is going to buy, but for big BB King fans, I think, or collectors, mm. it's going to be one to add to the collection. Yeah. One thing that I haven't uh, seen information I on is the bridge. The bridge looks really interesting. In it the looks image unusual, there. actually. Yeah, it's not like your traditional tunematic. That's something else. Interesting. Is it mentioned in the article uh, what that actually is? I don't see that, but we can check out the product page. We can. A tribute to the king. They say. Are you a big fan of BB King, Vlad? Uh, I wouldn't say a. Fan in the sense that I would actively listen to his music, but I absolutely appreciate his craft and like he was always so joyful in the interviews and live as well. And yeah, like didn't Joe Bonamassa start playing with him at some point? Like, there's definitely footage of him when he's like a 12 year old kid yeah. or something playing with, yeah, I think BB King, I think you're right. This is out of yeah. my kind of area of expertise, but I do believe you're correct. Yeah, so so like not only he was like an amazing and a very accomplished player himself, but then also he took time to help others to kind of advance their careers and stuff like that. And that's really cool. Uh, he did. Just I looking at he, the text here, yeah, it's a TP6 uh, oh, oh. tailpiece with fine tuners. So that's what the tailpiece is there. Almost like a uh, a modern, almost Floyd, Ro Floyd Rosie type bridge where you have little fine tuners down at the bottom just to keep yeah. things perfectly in tune. Oh, look, Very interesting. In I, I wasn't aware of this being on any other guitars like that. 
I've never seen that on a Gibson before, or at least I don't Me remember neither. seeing. Interesting. It looks very futuristic compared to the rest of the guitar. I'm pretty sure that other yeah. Lucille's don't have that. I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, I'd say I don't recollect same. seeing this before. Mm. But yeah, but seven thousand yeah. dollars. It's it's a lot of money for a lot of guitar, and we'll make a specific kind of player and collector very happy. I think. That is very, very true. No words on whether this is a limited edition. So maybe it's just available. With, with that price, I don't think it will sell out. Like, it won't be sold out everywhere. But I think no, this, this is not a general out. population guitar. <clears throat> nope. It is not. For specialists yeah. only. More Gibson stuff. Mike Ness has a 1966. 1976, not 67, 76 Les Paul Deluxe, 9K uh, for 73 issue, question mark, asks gearnews.com, would you pay 9,000 for an aged recreation of a Nolan era guitar? That's a very interesting um, headline and question. Uh, Mike Ness, for people who aren't familiar with him, is the, the longtime frontman for the legendary Social Distortion punk band. From California, been around for decades, are one of the best in the business in terms of punk and really kind of inspired so many bands that have come since them. Check them out on wherever you listen to music if you're interested in that kind of stuff. But yeah, this guitar, I was quite surprised to see. I mean, I've seen Mike Ness playing this guitar. This is this is his guitar. It's a a Norlin era gold top Les Paul with two P90s. He's put stickers on it. It's had a lot of wear and they've gone to great lengths with this instrument to recreate that wear and put the stickers on that he has on his original guitar and charge us $9,000 for the privilege, which is an <laughs> awful lot of money, especially because as is written in this article that we're looking at right now, you could literally go out and buy an original 70s Norlin era similar Gibson model for half the price. So it's kind of like, oh, who's this one for? And how punk is it to have a $9,000 reissue? Yeah, not, not that much. It's interesting. So, Again, I feel like this is, this is totally going to be a thing for super fans and collectors. But apart from that, it's, uh, it's hard to see non-social distortion fans wanting to, to go for one of these. Hmm. It does look cool. Yeah, that, that, yeah, but I, I love a gold top and I love P90s. And I yeah. like Orange County. But, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say that it's crazy that you can actually buy like a 70s guitar for that money as well. Which, for a lot to me personally, would have more yeah. kind of mojo to it than getting this one, which is aged, but kind of technically still new. Yeah. So. On the other hand, well, I have to say... It might not be the punkest thing in the world to have such an expensive reissue, but I think it's super mm. cool that Gibson are working with an artist like Mike Ness from Social, Distor Social Distortion. What's happened to my ability to talk words today? But anyway, I mean, if... Words don't come easy. There's a song about that as well, I think. I believe someone wrote one once. But yeah, I mean, how, Social how can Distortion... can you find a way? Getting <laughs> Social Distortion, getting their message out there to Gibson guitar fans and maybe more people hearing their music which I'm a big fan of, is a great thing. Yep. And uh, speaking of Gibson brand, sorry, was I about to say something? No, I was about to pick up my coffee and try and drink ah. because 
perhaps I should lubricate the insides of my mouth and then I'll be able to use language again. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, Kramer introduces an affordable, affordable pace, a classic series. Uh, looks very cra- Kramery. It looks very Kramery to me. Whatever that means, uh, this kind of two hamburger Floyd Rose type. Uh, or like, yeah, it looks like a Floyd Rose, probably not like an actual Floyd Rose guitar, but or like bridge, but it's very budget friendly. Three seventy nine, and it is actually a license. Three hundred seventy nine dollars. Wow, yeah. that is affordable. I didn't realize they were that cheap. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, Kramer's, they certainly have a vibe to them, you know? And um, I've never they personally been indeed. into that kind of music, hair metal or anything like that, which is what I think a lot of people associate them with. But I know so many people yep. who love the Kramer vibe, and a lot of them will probably be going to try these out as soon as they become available. And I don't know when yep. that's going to be, but I suspect at some point in the summer of 2022 in Europe, we'll start seeing these and they will fly out of shops at that price. I mean, 350 bucks. We're at the same price point as, well, we're under some Epiphones. We're at the same price as Squire Classic Vibe. What's this competing with? Is it competing with some kind of Ibanez entry level or second mm-hmm. guitar type things? It's very interesting what Sounds they're doing like here for under $400. Yeah. Now that you mentioned, like I, I can't think of like an exact competitor with in this price point for like this kind of very eighties shredder guitar because I think Charvels are a bit more expensive than that. And yeah, I reckon you can get a Charvel for six hundred or so, maybe. Yeah, but three seven nine. These could sell well then, even though I'm not personally into this type of guitar, but. Nice. No, again, for me, it's it's way too rock and roll for me. <laughs> but for the kind of people who, who dig that kind of stuff, and you know, eighties and shred, it's kind of it's kind of popular right now. This is going to be kind of an mm. aspirational guitar for a lot of younger players, for sure. Yep, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, switching brands, we're going to talk about Squires next because they have released the fortieth anniversary. Editions, uh, there's a Stratelli, Jazzmaster, and Bass models. Everything goes gold. So everything has like gold pickup. Yeah. Not pickups, but pickguards and hardware. Mostly, except the bass for some reason doesn't actually have a gold hardware. And yeah, there's a couple of strats. Uh, we're already see, seeing the Toman prices here on gnews.com. $4.99. I suppose these are special editions. They look fantastic, by the way. Again, for for people listening, you've got really bright colors. That can't be... What is that green finish referred to as? We've got what looks like a Lake Placid blue there. We've got a Sonic blue. What would you refer to that green as? That is not like... I mean, it's it's, SFG, so seafoam green. Seafoam green, maybe, but a really bright, vivid... Seafoam green with the anodized gold pick guard. That looks fantastic. You've got maple necks on the strats and 70s era big headstocks. They look cool. 
Yeah. Oh, wait, they don't all have 70-zero headstocks, but one of the strats also has a bound neck with an Indian laurel board, I'm guessing, and block inlays. It's a bit different and it looks cool. That's kind of cool. Uh, Tail is also cool. What's going on with that Squire logo on the black tail with gold hardware? Hey, that that Squire logo right there is identical to the logos that you used to see on like the 90s and early 2000s tele custom ah. guitars i remember that very well because i lusted after that guitar the the black tele custom for so long because a couple of players in some of the bands i like back then used to play them so that's kind of a nod yeah, back yeah, yeah. to the old school a bit but looking at that picture that we have here we've got very much a traditional looking telecaster at the bottom like a blackguard butterscotch one with a maple neck and at the top a much more modern, unique take on the telly. It's like a, a black finish. Mm. It could be satin and everything else is gold. Gold hardware, a satin anodized gold scratch plate, gold bridge, gold tuners, and again, a bound neck with block inlays. It's super cool. It sort of reminds Kinda me of cool. a Richie Kotzen telly in some ways, even though it's oh, actually not. But there's something for everyone with these. So I'm really seems. impressed. I mean, we are talking yeah. high prices for Squires, 500 euros, 520 for some of them. That's not cheap. We're edging up close to used Fender territory there, but these are 40th anniversary models. And I'm guessing they won't be made in massive numbers. And I'm guessing that at some point they they might become collectible to a certain kind of person. Yep. And here we have some Very 40th anniversary Jazzmasters as well. And they look Ooh. amazing. They look fantastic. I dig these. Man, like if I have to choose, and I'm not sure which one I would go for. <laughs> I think for me, it would have to be this. Did we say seafoam green was the color? The seafoam green. Yeah, one. They're, they're calling that's, it seafoam green. Yeah, that's such a vibrant color, and it has the vintage tinted maple neck with the lacquered fretboard, which I prefer over the kind of naked one. And I would probably also pick mm. over Indian laurel, to be honest. Although the white one, the white Jazzmaster with the gold pickguard reminds me of the Jay Maskis signature. It does. Which is widely regarded as being possibly the best Squire guitar ever built by by some people. Yeah. Man. I didn't know I wanted one of these, but I want it now. This uh, 40th anniversary precision basis as well, one in, well, what's that's probably our lake plus it, Blue, then there's black one, then there's a satin vintage blonde and satin Dakota red finish as well. Nice. That sounds By the way, cool. I have to mention that we're going to throw together like a Toman store where you can browse all of these. Yeah, because this you is a lot end of up buying, <laughs> Yeah, if you end up buying any of these, you please consider using that link. It's an affiliate link and it won't cost you anything extra, but helps keeping this show running. So be sure to check that. Links in the show notes, as always. Ooh, I like the blonde bass a lot. I like both of them. I want both of them. Give me more. The jazz basses. <laughs> I'm just thinking about These the poor people cool. who are listening to this and they can't see anything. And then suddenly you just say, ooh, I like the blonde bass. And they're going to be like, okay, please yes. explain well, more. Because they can't. If you're listening on the podcast platforms, there's links in the show notes. Click those (laughs) and keep listening while you also browse the Thoman website or this gearnews.com article where you can see all the photos. 
That's yeah, a I mean, really even if, cool, like a black burst finish on the jazz bass. I love it. Yeah, that's that's a really dark, smoky looking burst. And again, with that vintage tinted maple neck, it looks it looks really classy. You know what I'm thinking? Looking through these new Squire releases, I feel like Squire has upped their game in the same way that Epiphone is. You know, in relation to Gibson for Epiphone and in relation to Fender for Squire. They're both kind of moving outside of their traditional boxes and they're doing different colors and different models and just being a little bit more adventurous, maybe catering to younger players, catering to people who don't just want Fiesta Red or Black or, you know, two-tone sunburst strats or whatever. And I think that's really cool. I'm all for that. Yeah. These look really, really good. Fender is on fire with their releases lately. There's just so many, like... So many releases that make me want to get another guitar, even though I don't need another guitar. I still need to finish yeah. building my Jazz Master, but I still want one. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, what we also have to take into account is the fact that we might not see any of these guitars for a long time because it be. might have been last week or the week before, but recently we talked about an interview that Andy Mooney, the CEO of Fender, had done where he said that there's going to be guitar shortages in 2022. And I assume yeah. that these models as well as the Fenders, will be hit by that to some extent. So if you manage to find one of these, buy it. Because you never know when you'll get another chance. That's what I'm saying. Yes, that's the reality. And a bit more Squires. Squire has also released a Fender Squire. However you want to call them, uh, they have a classic vibe baritone custom Telecaster with a 27-inch scale. Me want. I really really want to have a proper baritone guitar and a baritone tele is like best of the both worlds in the sense that uh, when you're playing like a low lower tuned instrument and a baritone so it's like from B to B basically and not from E to E like a standard tuning um, clarity like low end clarity is a problem and with tele because you're using a single call pickup it's just kind of pokey and cuts through and I might have mentioned this before but I used to have a bandmate who played a baritone telly in our band for some of the songs and it's such a cool thing to have in a band or for your recording sessions or anything like that just so much fun and how much is this? where do I order? it is <laughs> where could I buy it? just $4.49 uh, so it's cheaper than some of the more standard goods. ones that we've just seen. Yeah, start yeah, allocating I'm just putting some funds stuff on now. While you can talk, get this. <laughs> yeah, these look fantastic. <laughs> to, to the naked eye, it just looks like you know a Telecaster custom with a slightly longer neck, and you might not even notice the longer neck if you're not thinking about it. Twenty-seven I think inch. Notes. A very good dark. <laughs> Yeah, 27 inch as a baritone scale length. Is that kind of standard for you? I mean, I know there's a few different yes. baritone scale lengths and I'm not really, I'm not an expert. I'm like you, I would love to dip my toe into the baritone pool of goodness, but I've I've never owned one. I've never really played them much. I played an old Squire bass six once and really struggled, but those are tuned down E to E, aren't they? They're a whole octave down and it's just a different a different vibe. These look fantastic. Yeah. They look great. I love tellies. Yeah. I like the idea of a a baritone that is not necessarily purely aimed at metalheads. You know, you had your yeah. Harley Benton Amarok and I thought they look great value for money, but it's not going to be suitable for the 
the pleasant Indian folky stuff that I like to do. It's just not going to work for that. Something like a Telecaster Custom would be theoretically ideal. But yeah, tell me about scale lengths. So 27 inches is a fairly standard Barrow scale, at least what I'm familiar with. That's not out of... It, it's not like weird. Some people prefer even longer scale. But I think for a Telecaster, this might be like exactly the, the scale to do. I mean, longer scale, I guess, means that you. Pro, it's a bit different to play, but you get used to those fast, I'd say. Just like yeah. a couple of minutes you don't even notice. And I, as I mentioned, I love the idea of like a baritone telecaster because of the clarity it has and the punch it has, and especially like a doubling riffs or anything like that with a telly is just a classic production trick. Or if you have two guitar players in the band, this is a great way to cover some of the kind of sonic space with, between like a traditional electric guitar or like standard tuned electric guitar and then your bass. Like it's it's right in the middle frequency wise. Even yeah. if you just play like all of your cowboy chords and stuff like that. And just there's something about a baritone scale guitar where even if you play, let's say, I don't know, Sweet Home Alabama or anything like that on it, it's just like there's a different what's the word? Not like a mood, but uh some, some a word in English with a T not timber, timber, something like that. Whatever, I'm forgetting the word. But yeah, it's just like. Oh, you mean, you mean timber? T I M B R E. Yeah. As opposed like to timber, like wood. <laughs> yes, not, not the wood. Uh, just basically, I'm trying to say like the same riff sounds very, very different. Like mood wise, yeah. when you play, like all of the sudden, like Sweet Home Alabama sounds very dark and slightly dangerous. Exactly the same roof, but just play through that. And that's interesting, like, it takes you to a different, like, sonic space. And I love that. So, yes, I am oh. I am seriously guessing for one of these. Yeah, me too. Uh, when are these available? Also, I have another uh, question about baritones from the total newbie perspective. These are tuned down to, to B. Seven to nine weeks. So we're looking at, yeah, the, it's the standard NAM release, like... April, May time. So these are tuned to be... Maybe in May. <laughs> yeah. Could you theoretically put a capo on like the fifth fret and then it would be tuned to E standard, right? Could you then yes. play it like a standard guitar? Would it still have yes. that different mood? Would it work or would it be weird because you've got the thick strings and it wouldn't handle it too well? Mm. I mean... It would probably sound a little bit different just because of the scale length, but uh, I don't claim to be an expert to say like how m much different it would sound. That's actually a cool video idea, though you would technically need to have exactly the same kind of guitars to for it to be more scientific. Uh, that, that might be a question for a different time, whether that's like a proper test. But that's actually an interesting one. I'd love to try one out. If I end up getting any either of these guitars, I'm going to test that. I got my own telly. I would have this one, and I would love to see. I, I could maybe even like put the same pickups on both of them and see what Yeah, that happens. would be cool to check that out. Yeah. Interesting question. And what's also interesting is something from Defender brand as well. Guthrie Govan 
has a new signature model which is more affordable. And he's been with Chavel for quite a long time now. He used to be with Sir, but that's many moons ago already, or many yeah. years ago. So, has a caramelized, okay, there you go. You used to, I remember one time you were laughing about the term caramelized neck. Chavel is using the term caramelized like maple neck because I think uh, like a baked maple or something like that is like brand protected. It's like a brand of some sort of. Really? So, interesting. Why, why else would they say car- caramelized? Because I, I think it's exactly the same process. Because caramelized sounds more delicious. I've always wondered that what's is. the difference between a baked maple neck and a roasted maple neck. And a caramelized oh, yeah. maple neck is a different thing again. Now, as someone who enjoys his food, I can tell you that there is a difference between <laughs> baking and roasting. I mean, when you roast something, you would cook it at a higher temperature than when you would bake something. I mean, the length of time is, that's, you know, that's a different thing completely. But mm. when I'm caramelizing something as well in terms of cooking, that's not something I would do in the oven. That's something I would do on the hob in a pan. And I feel like I've gone wildly off topic with this discussion, but caramelized maple sounds delicious. And yeah, it was I'm recently the Harley people. Benton, the T62CC Tele type guitar, which is behind me somewhere, which had the caramelized maple neck, which interestingly, Harley Benton have now removed from their own website. I took screenshots of it at the time because I'm a loser and I thought it was funny. So I have proof that they did have it on their website, but now they just have roasted maple written there. But yeah, back to yeah. Guthrie and his tasty caramelized neck. Yes, exactly. Is it sticky to your hands, by the way? Dude. That's the other thing about caramelization. It will make it sticky and, you know, a roasted maple neck, it should be a satin finished neck and this looks yeah. like a satin neck. There's yeah. no, uh, there's no kind of sticky just fine. stuff coming off on his fingers, that's for sure. <laughs> oh wow, Guthrie's yeah. turned into a silver fox. He has indeed. He looks really. He's he, he looks great. You know, like he he looks like a, like a true artist. You know, like a bit of gray hair, like lot, a lot of gray beard as well. Like <laughs> he looks like like when when you would see him on the street, you you would probably think like, okay, that guy is definitely like a musician and like a very very good one as well. Like without. Yeah. Knowing that's Guthrie going, he would like immediately like, hey, that, that guy knows his stuff. It feels like he's been on like decade-long tonal pilgrimages <laughs> to achieve the knowledge and the wisdom that he has now. It's uh, Javel yeah, he's looking great. Paul and found his tone. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, by the way, ever play one of his signature sewer guitars, or if you play one of his other signature uh, Chavels? I think I've tried the Chavel ones, but not the sewer guitars. Yeah, these ones because look great. The and to me, they actually look like they'd be right up your street. They remind me also of some of, of the yeah. Ibanez AZs that you were kind of lusting after at some point. Yeah, I was actually like, I almost bought the like the non-Guthrie version of that guitar when we were at Session Music in Germany. I think was it Session Music? Which one we got got to the same trip session. where when we? Oh yeah, what a day! Uh, session when music, we went to yeah, that Guitar was the, Point. 
Yeah, Guitar Point was the vintage store and Session Music was the big modern store. Ah. Yeah. Uh, that's easy. It then, yeah. Uh, I was I almost bought the pink one, but just the Nick profile wasn't my thing in the end. So. Yes, that was it. The the shell pink one. I remember now. Yeah, that, that that was the only thing that kind of kept me away from that guitar in the end. It's just it was a very thin neck profile. I used to love those, but yeah, not anymore. So yeah, got the Abanus in the end. And obviously, this thing is. Pricier than that? Uh, do they mention the price? It's two thousand euros. Two thousand euros. Yeah, Japanese made, um, and it's got oh yeah, very decent, high quality hardware on it. It's got Goto locking tuners. It's got a Graftech Tusk XL nut. Could you scroll up, Vlad, so we can see what pickups are in it? That would be very useful. Mm-hmm. HSH mm-hmm. pickup configuration, and the pickups are. Don't tell me they haven't uh, mentioned what the pickups are in the article, but it's a 12 to 16 inch fingerboard radius and you've got stainless steel frets on this bad boy, so that's also pretty cool. The pickups are two Charvel custom humbuckers and one Charvel custom single coil in the middle. So five-way yes. switch and a mini toggle switch as well. Many, many tonal options with this guitar. You've got the whammy as well. It's a very modern, very playable guitar and for people who are into kind of the Guthrie style, super fluid style of playing. This will be, this will definitely be on their wish lists. I think two thousand euros is a yeah. an interesting price point. It's it's more affordable than some of the other Guthrie guitars we've seen, but that that's still a hefty chunk of anybody's change these days. And so, hey, is that a Wilkinson whammy on this? Something something like that. Again, they just looking don't at that video. Really it looks like a Wilkinson. That uh, but it has a compound radius as well, so from 12 to 16. Yeah, 12 or to 16, so very flat fingerboard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like it's 12 at the first frets and it just kind of flattens out on the higher frets. Creates a really comfortable playing experience. In my, At least I think so. Uh, I do not see any uh, info go up on the a little bit either. Go down a little bit. Down a little bit more. <laughs> Just up and a little down, bit more. Up and Tiny bit more. Stop. No more. Stop. <sighs> Finally, you have a recessed Charvel locking tremolo bridge with popping tremolo arm and a brass block. So it's not a Wilkinson. Apologies. It looked like a Wilkinson and I'm sure it's inspired by Trev Wilkinson. <laughs> inspired by Wilkinson would be a nice. Yeah. Well, this looks like a super yeah. cool guitar. It does. Completely agree. And I, I personally feel Guthrie has been a bit under the radar over the past few years. But I was maybe I'm just. I almost said I'm that a couple of minutes ago. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. Like five, six, seven years ago, he was one of the big, big dogs high. in the yes. in the guitar playing industry, and he still is. But. I do feel there are a few players who've kind of come up and kind of taken over that position, you know, like your John Mayers, for example. He's the guy now that everyone talks yeah. about. But for a time, it, it was Guthrie. And clearly Guthrie has yeah. gone away and gained much wisdom in that time, and now he's back. Yes, exactly. Very exciting. <laughs> yep. And more Chavels. Steel Panther and the Red Dragon Cartel guitarist have a new Chavel models. And... Sean Long from 
so Shandlong is probably from the... While she sleeps? Yes. Gotta say, I'm not familiar with all of these people, but that's a cool-looking shower. Like, black, seems like matte black as well. Hotel bridge, a very bright yellow bridge pickup. <laughs> Single <laughs> volume, three-way switch. And EMG 57 bridge pickup and EMG 66 neck pickup. And the poor single door neck pickup. I bet it, it really is depressed and has a very low self-esteem compared to that super bright yellow bridge pickup. Yes. So it definitely seems like. And this one is more affordable, yet $1,200 or so... Uh, for signature model, sure, why not? Uh, they are not saying where this is made, I think. But yeah, for yeah. if it's like a Korean made one, twelve hundred, I guess, is a fine price point. If it's like Indonesian made one, then it's a bit too much. Yeah, I, th uh, I think it's a decent price overall. Like not knowing sure. where it's been built, you know, while she sleeps is kind of. They're from Sheffield in the UK, a metal band. Very, oh. very cool band. They've, they've made some great music and they've also got a big sort of DIY theme running behind them. Like they moved away from traditional labels at one point and started to release their own mm. stuff. And they have a very interesting story as a band. And so I feel like the kind of fans that they've cultivated will be kind of in that price ballpark, if you know what I mean. So I feel like this is going to be a good mm. choice for them. They, they did used to have a very dedicated fan base. I, I'm not sure if they still do. I, I actually don't know. But yeah, I mean, why not? And this is certainly, again, my ability to speak has deserted me. But this is certainly, <laughs> it's like a signature guitar where you feel that it's one that the guy would actually play and it's actually a bit unique, you know? Mm. It's definitely 100% recognizable as soon as you see it. Yeah. And I yeah, like that I like signature guitars. Yeah. I think it's also pretty recognizable. It's the Satchel Signature <laughs> Pro Mod. Yeah. DK2022. 22, it's not 2022, just 22. Um, it has, what's that? It's like a white tiger finish. <laughs> he, yeah. His guitars have been like this for as long as he's been with Chavel. So, I mean, it's not a surprise it looks like this. Um, not sure I would take this for a church gig, though. Stand like, it's a bit too attention-grabbing for me. Yeah, for the church gig, you would take his yellow and black tiger stripe one because that's even more <laughs> in your face. <laughs> I think he might have a, had a pink one as well. So, yeah. I think yeah, another right, white one. Yeah. Gotta have more color. Yeah, but I mean, Satchel's a legend and an amazing oh, yes. player. Steel Panther, incredible band. Again, not a band that you would cover in your church gig, most likely, or at least you would change the lyrical content of the songs to a high extent. But yeah, this one is $1,400. Decent specs, bolt-on maple neck, Strat-style headstock, Floyd Rose, double-knocking tremolo bridge system, and it has Fishman Fluence classic humbucking pickups in it, so it's going to sound great too. But it's, like, it's another case of... It looks so unique, and if you're not into that kind of music, it's like the Kramers, you know? It, it's something yeah. that I just love looking at in this context, but it would probably never be on my radar just to pick it up at home. Maybe it's a guilty pleasure. Yeah, Maybe if I ever get a midlife yeah. crisis going on, I'll buy one of these and a port. Yeah, uh, yeah, we still have a few years to prepare, so might as well start planning now. 
when it's mm-hmm. going to hit, we'll be ready. Yeah. yeah. And one more, there's the Jake E. Lee Signature Pro Mod SoCal. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool HSS guitar, volume knob, three-way pick Oh, probably like, I'm guessing that's a five-way pickup switch. There's a Seaman Duncan JBH SH4 bridge pickup and Dimasio SDS DP111 middle and neck pickups. All controlled by a five-way blade switch and a single volume strat styles skirt control knob. Interesting. <laughs> uh, no I think it refers to the, Apparently not. Who needs one mm. anyway? How many times have you actually used that? Is my question. Yeah, never. But the fact exactly. that it's there is comforting in the night. <laughs> actually, like, I tell a light. You know, I, yeah, exactly. It's just it's like a comfort blanket. But you know, I've never really been a massive strap person, and it, well, actually, it is a couple of years now since I've had it. I've had my first strat, the one I bought from Guillaume, a friend from Toman, the blue one again it's behind me there somewhere. And I've realised that when you use a strat bridge pickup. At some points, you do have to consider using a tone knob if you've got one. Yes. So there you go. I have started using it. Wow. Yeah. We can do a whole that podcast life crisis. That. It's creeping up on me. Going to have yeah. to put the order in for that Porsche. Also, yeah. get some money. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's one of those things like, you know you're getting old when you start looking at like motorcycles, retirement plans, and start using a tone knob on your Strat. <laughs> Those are the three signs of aging for any guitar the player. The three traditional signs, yeah, exactly. Yes. You hear, heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the Hendrik Danhage. I don't know, Danes or Scandinavian name is probably pronounced Hendrik Danhage, something like that. Mm-hmm. Limited edition signature pro mode SoCal. And a beat up. Uh, kind of strat type guitar with a Floyd Rose bridge hamburger single coil in the neck cool what band guitar. is Henrik Danhager from I think he's from Evergrey yeah I'm right? just googling it you're right I'm not familiar with them yes they mentioned that earlier in the article I know the I know Evergrey I don't know the name of the people in the band okay <laughs> so I, I just read the article here yeah you don't, you don't expect really, me to actually uh, Prepare for these things, do you? Uh, I spend all my time it's, it's researching more in the tone knob of like, technology. Yeah, it's more in the ballpark of I'll be su- positively surprised if you have prepared. <laughs> <laughs> it's like w- with your kids, like at some point you just have to give up that they're not going to do everything the way you want them to do it. Yeah, like they're, they're going to carve their own paths and all of that vague stuff they yeah. say about parenting. Yeah. This, cool by the way, guitars. I was going to say, it looks like a cool guitar. I recently had a vintage Icon V100 on my channel, also with a pretty mm. heavy relic finish. Well, actually, the vintage has like, it's black over sunburst, so it's got two finishes. Ooh. Do you have yeah, it somewhere? It's in the other room. It's in the other room. Should I oh, go and no. get it? Or Okay. But yeah, like, relics are, yeah. are very kind of <laughs> polarizing, and I think you either love them or hate them, and... I don't mind the one on the vintage because that's a pretty heavy relic, but it's got nothing on this. This guitar looks like it was in a fire or, I don't know, or a kid took a chisel to it or, mm. I don't know. For, for me, it's a bit too much. This is kind of the kind of wear that like, it could never happen naturally. 
yeah, and the much. the guitar underneath the paint looks pristine. You know, you'd think if if the if it had been bashed yeah. so hard for the finish to come off, the wood underneath would also look a bit messy. But there we go. Yeah, one of the coolest finishes I remember seeing was um, oh, what is that? Uh, Shabbat guitars. They're in California. Oh yeah, in California, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So at Nam Twenty Twenty, I got to meet the guys, like, su- super nice people. And one of the coolest guitars I remember seeing was like this dual humbucket kind of Telecaster style, which was like a sunburst, but then they painted it over with a black gloss finish and it was like kind of aged so you could like see parts of the sunburst underneath that black finish. Yeah. Uh, it was he- like as heavily relic as the one you see here in the Gigas article. But yeah, I kind of prefer like that kind of double finish thing. Or something that Friedman had done as well. Like they... I think, um, oh, what's his name? The young guy playing. For, oh, Sammy Bola. Uh, Sammy. Oh, yeah, Sammy. Uh, I, I think his one is like, there's a flame, like finished flame maple underneath and then they play, like painted white over it and then kind of aged it so you can see the maples up from underneath that white paint. I like that as well. This one, maybe not as fancy, but it's also probably like $4,000 less expensive than those guitars I'm just mentioning. So, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd say you get what you pay for with both. Yeah, exactly. And the, the vintage one is different again. Re- That's like a 400 euro guitar. And like, I don't That's, think even vintage would expect you to believe that that looks like a realistically aged guitar. Yeah. But there you go. Yeah, that, that's the thing. That's the thing. And something that Rich seemed to be a bit excited about are these Vox iconic teardrop body shape guitars and they have uh, 2022 Mark III mini models available. <laughs> these, I, I don't know who are these for. I don't know if these were a thing in the 60s. These yeah, tiny little the, guitars that look very uncomfortable to play in your lap. <laughs> if you're watching yeah, when, I, when I sent you the link to this, I didn't realize that they had a really small scale length. I thought they were full-size scale. And I yeah. just thought that they remind me so much of the, the psychedelic British invasion of the 60s. And I would actually really like to try one, but having seen now that they're short scale length, I'm not so sure, but they still look cool. What a nice little guitar for a kid to learn on as well, for example. Yeah, and if you need to take it out of pit, if you like need to take a pizza out of the oven, you can use the guitar as well. It looks like that. Yeah, or you could take it's it to the ma- beach ma- and use ma- it to play like racket sports. Could definitely yeah, use it to whack a ball like with like boards it. on the back. Yeah, they, how yeah, they much look are cool. These? I'm going to say affordable. I'm going to I'm going to guess <laughs> four hundred without knowing. Yeah, one hundred ninety nine so, pounds, two hundred seventy dollars. That's affordable. Yeah. Great. Yeah, you can also use it as a paddle if needed. Yeah, if you find yourself in a canoe and you lose your traditional <laughs> paddle somewhere, like a crocodile comes and snatches it away, just grab your Vox teardrop out of your backpack and use that. Just make sure that it's not yeah. plugged into the mains as you do it because electricity yes. and water don't mix. Yeah. Yeah, the, the weird thing is like, even though it has a very short scale length, it's still a standard tuning. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, I guess some people will want to get these. 
the not my the kind thing, of as- why aesthetic not? of these and the you know the bright looks. You've got a lovely green and a red and a marble finish. Loud red, the red is called. So the, these are really in your face. <laughs> these for me, like they fall into a similar category for me as the mini amps from Boutique Amps Distribution. You know, the mini Friedman BE yeah. head and the mini Bogner and the mini Dietzel uh, VH Micro. They just remind me of a thing that it would not be your first guitar and those amps would not be your first amp. But what a super cool thing to have in your little hobby room or the place where you go to play yeah. guitar. Just a super little fun thing to to pick up whenever you feel inspired and have a bunch of fun. Yep. We'd love to try one of these out. Maybe it's not as unco- uncomfortable to play than I think. Uh, so, sitting yeah. down with them might be tricky, but yeah, let, let's try them out at the damn show, maybe. Yeah. Something that's also weirdly shaped are these pedals. Puzzle Effects eliminates too many cables on your pedal board, and this is brought to you by our friends from Gigahertz. And as the name suggests, they are pedals that are shaped like puzzle pieces, and you can combine, like, connect those puzzle pieces. So they will actually like connect to each other. Uh, looking at the picture, you can also connect them as traditional pedals. But uh, okay, apparently this is a a Kickstarter project. So let's check that out. Uh, they're looking for twenty thousand dollars. So they do already have backing for. $2,500 or so. It's not like exactly close yet to being finished. But it's like, it wasn't that that long ago that we covered that other like modular pedal thing where you could like swap pieces on it. I think Josh from JHS also, or JHS, as I think Brits would pronounce. Uh, yeah, he, I think he did a video on that company as well. So. He did quite recently, yeah. Yeah, it's funny that there's a few of those around right now. I, I find that these puzzle effects they look cooler. They look kind of oh, well, they look they look like a jigsaw. <laughs> What's wrong with my speech today? I hope I'm not having a stroke <laughs> or something similar. But obviously, I, the I really hope it gets worse over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, these, yeah, they look like they they would fit with those Vox guitars. They look psychedelic. That they are shaped like jigsaw mm. puzzles, and yeah, I love the way they go together. I think they're super cool. But if you're not buying the whole set, um, they're not yeah. probably that practical to go on a board with other pedals. So it's like it's a novelty thing, and I think it's something that you have to buy into the whole thing. Otherwise, you're not going to get the best results from it. If you do buy into the yeah. whole thing, then it, it's super awesome. Yeah, it's a really cool like thing to have on your wall, for example, like all of this. Again, yeah, stick it uh, next to your Friedman Mini B head. But yeah, at the moment they have yeah. just the three pedals. There's a boost and there is a delay. And the third pedal is I can't quite see. Uh let me quickly check. Uh there's an overdrive delay and a what's the third one? And a boost, boost right? Pedal. Yes. Interesting. Again, I mean, if you're going to pick yeah. three pedals, would it be an overdrive, a delay, and a boost? I'm not sure, but presumably there are more to come if they get funded. Yeah. 
I, I would love it in this case if they could get funded. At the moment, like you said, Vlad, they're looking for $20,600 in total. They're 10% of the way there. 24 days left as part of the Kickstarter campaign. So let's let's see yeah. how it goes. I mean, I'm all for modern yeah. creative ideas and people thinking outside the box. Ultimately, the effects also have to sound good. And, you know, a, a three-knob delay a three-knob overdrive and a three-knob boost, they're going to have to be good to persuade people, you know, because they are not the standard format. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, this looks cool, and we would actually love to hear what you guys think, because it's a bit of a weird thing, but I can, I, I like, I can see people getting excited about something like this as well. It's different, like with all of the pedals coming out, this could be a thing. Something. Yeah, it has a USP, and it's the kind of thing you know the Nam show, don't you, as well, Vlad? It's the kind of thing that mm. you would see if you go downstairs to Hawley, or if you go kind of. Yeah. Do you remember where Hughes and Kettner used to be? We used to be up in the back in that new building. Yes. If you go downstairs to the main halls, and if you start walking to the opposite end of the hall, where a lot of the smaller sort of boutique guitar companies are, and a lot of the smaller builders, and as you get into the back corner, there's all those really small booths with the black canvas walls and stuff, and they just have a little table and that. That's where you'd see these. And I bet you'd see a lot of people, you know, crowded around and having a bit of fun putting the puzzles together. I think this is the kind of company that would do really, really well at a show. So fingers crossed they can kind of survive and make it to something like NAM or the Guitar Summit and yeah. build a bit of publicity and a bit of popularity. Because again, you know, yeah. the more people doing cool stuff in this business, the better. Yep. Yeah, and I, th I think like we've like with pedals, we've transitioned into a phase where like all kinds of pedals are available at very different price points, and it's more about like standing out from the crowd. This definitely does that. Yeah. For better, or for worse. One hundred percent. I say for for better, for better in this case, but still, yeah, kind of cool. Uh, what's also cool is the KMA Machines uh, Chief Disruptor pedal. Once again, crazy, crazy graphics, so many different functions. And at its core, it's a fuzz pedal, like a big muff thing. They obviously cannot mention the big muff by name, but it's that. I watched um, Stefan's video, so the, the pedal, not that pedal zone, the pedal zone. <laughs> that pedal, pedal show, <laughs> that the pedal, pedal zone. zone. The pedal zone. Yes. So... Yeah, he had a cool demo on this. And as all the KMA pedals, it sounds great. Uh, it's not like crazy expensive either. 221 US dollars, roughly at least. And as I mentioned, cool graphics. And again, a different take on the whole MOF thing. And as always, Stefan made it sound fantastic. He made Stefan knows what really he's cool. doing. With yeah, his demos. He really does. He really, really so does. So the Chief Disruptor uh, is available, well, the Gear Gods link to an American store for $221. So I'm guessing that translates to around 200 euros for people on our side of the Atlantic. And for a made in Germany pedal with this nice artwork, that's not super expensive. You can pay a lot less nope. for a big muff or a, a fuzz pedal, but you can also pay a lot more. So very interesting. I'm just opening up the demo video from Stefan. Yeah, I'm going to drop a link yeah. 
in the show notes for this one as well. So you can hear it. Like we can talk about it all day, but just listen. To it. it sounds fantastic. Fantastic. And Stefan makes it sound so, so very good. Yep. KMA just keeps putting out these cool pedals with very unique visuals and stuff like that. Like it's what's the word I'm going for? Just good. I don't know. They stand out from the crowd and that's probably the idea as well. Plus they sound good, so well done once more. KMA and something else we wanted to talk about. <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2022 nominees include Dolly Parton, Eminem, Rage Against the Machine and more. <laughs> Guitar.com comments, like they have, like, uh, again, I'm not prefix. What's the thing in the article? Like, there's the title, and I'm asking this question again, by the way. I've asked this once before. Just go with subhead. Subhead, yes. There you go. I need my third cup of coffee today. Yeah. The subhead says, it's an electric mix, to say the least. <laughs> I love every single article that kind of comments on the contents of the article before we even dive into the article itself. <laughs> and yeah. So the 17 nominations can include artists who released a debut album or debut record no later than 1996. And notably, Eminem is landing on the list in his first year of eligibility, having released his first record, Infinite, in 1996. Uh, let's talk about the full list first. And then ask questions. The full list is Beck, Pat Benar Benatar, uh, sorry, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, uh, Kate Bush, Devo, Duran Duran, Eminem, EU Rhythmics, Judas Priest, Fela Kuri, MC5, New York Dolls, Dolly Parton, Rage Against the Machine, Lionel Richie, Carly Simon, A Tribe Called Quest, and Dion Warwick. Imagine and that as a festival lineup. Rage Against the Machine opening for <laughs> Lionel Richie. I'd pay good money to see that. I would too. Especially then do like some sort of duet thing. Wow, <laughs> I would pay money for that. <laughs> but yeah, just like the subhead said, it's eclectic to say the least. That is a an interesting range of artists. Mm. I don't really yeah, know what I think about like... it. It's It's such a strange list. I actually don't know who else is in the rock and roll. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Today? I don't know who else <laughs> is in the rock and roll hall of fame. I'm starting to get worried at this point. We're yeah, like me a too. bit of an uh, well, like I went into the show and it still keeps happening. Yeah, you know, guys, so, yesterday I was in a very intense six or seven hour marketing workshop. And I appear to have expunged and used up all of my creative output for the rest of the week. So I'm basically like, yeah. a, you know, like a potato sitting here, just saying random gear-related words occasionally, and sometimes <laughs> just saying words which are a combination of letters but are not actually in any dictionary anywhere in the world. So there you yeah. go. Apologies for that. That happens sometimes. It does. So. Yeah. So who um, would you put this, in, the, in the Hall of Fame from this list is my question to you, Vlad. Let's say you can pick three. Uh, well, first of all, I'm surprised that Judas Priest isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet. 
what? Like, first of all, that's that's rock and roll <laughs> compared to like I mean, I guess Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has kind of diverted from just being about rock music to just a music hall of fame, I guess. But I think this yeah, is the first it. year where people would demand them to be just called music hall of fame or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It's no, it's but. not purely rock and roll, is it? So it's like yeah, everything from hip hop to metal to easy listening and other kinds of music. I, I have to admit to being not familiar with all of the artists on this list, like yeah, Pat, Benat, as well. Pat Benatar, Thela Kuti, for example. I, I'm not familiar with with them at all. With the others, I yeah. am. I, I just feel like looking at this list, Rage Against the Machine, yeah, I'd put them in there because they're huge for me, yeah. but I don't know if the rest of the world would think that. Eminem as well, I mean, it's actually hard to believe that he released an album in 1996. That's 25, mm. coming up to 26 years ago, his first album came out. But, you know, despite being a polarizing figure as well, and despite the fact that he doesn't make music that we would consider rock and roll, I think he lives the rock and roll sort of lifestyle in mm. a way. He he represents <laughs> that kind of mindset. Yeah, definitely. I, I would put him in there. He, he's an incredible artist too. You know, no matter what you think of rap and hip hop, he's a, a great freestyler. Anyone who's watched yeah, 8 would, Mile will, will know I that. Would put him in. <laughs> but a great rapper. But, I would stick him in the list. By the way, I've just Googled off to the side who was inducted into the 2021 Rock and Roll Hall oh. of Fame. And the inductees well, last year were Tina Turner, Carol King, The Go Go's, Jay Z, Foo Fighters, and Todd Rundgren. So. That's who went in last year, and yeah, sure. Another sort of wide range. I'm okay list. with all of those. Yeah, I'm okay with all of those. Like that's I don't have an issue with that, since like, uh, since they have kind of diverted from just rock anyway. I don't mind. Like, those are all huge names. Why not? Uh, but yeah, I'm surprised. Like as I mentioned, I'm surprised New York Dolls isn't there yet. Like they. I guess they're like a, a bit smaller band than, let's say, Foo Fighters, but they're like a legendary band. Yeah, I mean, but sense, they like were around before that, the Foo Fighters, right? And I think that's possibly the, yeah, that's the thing, even like, bigger. I, I'm not really that familiar with them. Obviously, I know them, and I I will know some of their songs if you if you have them on. But yeah, it's like I, I don't really know what the criteria is, or if it's just put to some kind of voting jury, some voting panel, and they say yes or no. But for me, Dolly Parton mm. would have to be in there as well. You know, again, yeah, she, she's not particularly a rock and roll artist, but I feel like she is like a free spirit and has done loads of amazing music over decades, you know, so I'd yeah. stick her in there, no problem. Yeah. I would also throw in, well, again, I can't believe Judas Priest isn't in there. They influence so many other metal bands. Yeah. Of like two or three generations. So... They have to be there. That's really weird if they are not. And I, I probably like. I, I also don't know everyone from the list, but I would, I would throw in Lionel Richie as well. He's a legendary character in his own music genre. Sure, I guess Kate Bush is kind of a. There's like a pop, like punk attitude to her music. It, it, it's really different. And. Kind yeah, of I mean, the, 
the the thing about all the artists on these lists, at least the ones with which I'm familiar, they all have that kind of uniqueness about them. You know, MC5 as well, kick out the jams. They're just incredible and sort of genre-defining as well. Beck as well. I sort of found out about him because I accidentally saw him live at the first Reading Festival I ever went to and I was transfixed by his performance. You know, an incredible songwriter and recording artist and producer and stuff. He could go in it as well. It's uh, They mm. probably all deserve it, but they, they won't all make yeah. it. And I think that people often get nominated multiple times before they make it in. So they might get nominated mm. three or four years running or whatever. And some people get nominated multiple times and don't ever make it in. So they've obviously mm. got to keep it some kind of a semi-exclusive club. Yeah, sure. it's going to be interesting to see who gets picked. But if I could yeah, pick one artist, I'd stick Rage in because I like him most. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I do kind of agree. And yeah, I'm losing my show notes at this po- point of the show. I found them. Well done, me. I did the bare minimum to keep the thing running. Very good. And yeah, next what we want to do is to answer some of your questions and comments. And we do it in the section that's called Questions and Comments. Yep. Questions indeed. And can I click a button over there? You can click a button over here and start with a question number one. Uh, we talked about Tone Wood last week with the Lil Jim, Jim Lil thing. And people reacted, some in a kinder way, some in a less kinder way. We're going to start with In Fantasy, I Die. <laughs> Comments, guitarists are smart people who make some of the most beautiful music ever. Some are also dumber than a bag of hammers. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> yes, it it's funny because it's true, I guess. Uh, yeah, the Jim Lil video has absolutely exploded. Yeah, I think when the we last watched time we did it... The show. We got in very early. It was like a day yes. old or even less when we saw it. I saw it fresh when it came out because I'm a Lil Jim fan and I'm subscribed to him, obviously, and it came into my into my recommended and I watched it and I knew it was going to blow up. And then we talked about it and it had, I think, about 20,000 views at that point, going up for 30 yes, close. Now, just looking, it has 385,000 views in 10 days. That's in yeah, our it- little part of the world... That's big. That's a big video. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, I, I was seeing it on many Finnish guitar forums. Yeah. Discussed in kind and not so kind manners. People have strong feelings about the whole Tone Wood thing. And we probably need to get a guest to talk about the whole thing at some point. That could be a lot of fun. Let's get Jim Lil on. Yeah. I think that would well, be... We'll try to uh, get him one. I don't know if he does stuff like that, but it'd be quite interesting. No harm in yeah, asking. Maybe. But yeah, I mean, there are so yeah, many maybe. Tonewood... I'm not going to say snobs. There are so many people who believe in the mysteries of Tonewood and there are so many people who don't. And it's a polarizing thing. And I, I remember over the years, we've seen people like Rob Chapman and Andertons get involved in the whole thing. And of course, mm. most of the people who build guitars 100% believe in the power of the differences of Tonewoods. And yeah, the, this video by Jim Lil goes in different directions, but of course it's not 100% scientific, is it? And among no. all the 
dumb comments underneath it. There are plenty of intelligent and well-reasoned ones too on both sides of the divide. So it's really, really interesting and it's opened another massive discussion. And this yeah. comment also speaks the truth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, same video, Pavel Sadovsky commented that the book of the book Physics of the Electric Guitar by Zoldner has all the answers. Uh, I'm personally not familiar with the book, but I believe you. Something Me that too. might be interesting to check. I, I've heard other people mention this book, and I feel like this book has probably also received a spike in sales <laughs> since the Jim Lil video came out. It, yeah, I might check out what very this possible. one is. Yeah. yeah, it probably spikes every time there's a video about Tornwood that goes viral. Yeah, but the, yeah. Does that, Zolder must look then, at their bank balance and just say, you know, they look at their bank balance every month and there's a spike and they're like, oh, there must be another Tonewood war going on on YouTube. Got $20,000 more uh, this month. Yeah. Uh, Dale Palmer, also a long-time viewer of the show, comments, I thought Jim Lil did a great job with his video. I'm sure there will be several people that will find faults with his experiments. Let the tone wars, Tonewood wars begin, not... Just play guitar and have fun. Exactly. I like your approach, Dale. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, 100%. That's how it be I'm silently applauding because that's the nail <laughs> on the head, really. I mean, at the end of the day, we should just be playing music and enjoying it, shouldn't we? I mean, we've just spent about an hour talking about gear and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, making music is the, the important thing and it's the reason we all play guitar, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And... Something else than Tonewood. JT's Gear Garage commented on the Freeman Mini PE, or like the three mini like boutique amp distribution amps were on sale. We put a small clip that, and Jay says that he owns the Bogner and it's amazing. Amazing. I, I'm struggling to pronounce stuff as well at this point. He has the Freeman PE pedal and runs it through the back sometimes through the amp interesting so he has uh -huh. the PE pedal and he also has oh he has the Bogner and he is running he runs the, Freeman the Freeman B, B pedal through it yeah ah I see they probably have like a similar power amp all three of those so yeah you're kind of getting get the Bogner sounds you got the Friedman sounds nice yeah Light me up for those me too. Sign me up for the new ones, which are probably coming out later this year. And that's Allegedly. true as well. Then comment number five comes from Catpix Studios. Uh, just because I mentioned the PodGo live stream that I did last week, and somebody, or more specifically, The Game Dane, which is, by the way, a fantastic nickname. Love it. The Game Dane, all the way from Denmark. Uh, joined the live stream and wanted to share some presets for Podgo. And yeah, he basically shared a cool folder with a bunch of different presets. I unfortunately haven't had time to try yet. But you can either find the Podgo live stream in the show notes. And I'm also going to throw in the Google Drive folder he shared. Uh, it's a safe link. I've tried it. Nothing scary there. Just free presets for your pot goal. Be sure to check it out if you want to have some. That was really cool. Again, the Gain Dane, thank you so much for doing that. Yep, it very cool. Awesome. Thanks, Gain Dane. We GD. 
are starting to build up a really cool community here on YouTube. And the last one, something that we also kind of talked about before already. Uh, so on a an episode couple of we- from a couple of weeks ago, I think, yeah. uh, we talked about the Walrus Audio D1, and there was a new version of that pedal, and Kpapa91, <laughs> cool nickname, uh, comments on this video mentioning that um, he agrees 100% on the new Walrus D1. He literally just bought the old one three months ago, and 300 US dollars is not cheap just to automatically have it outdated. I love Walrus, but I'm certainly not happy with the this recent decision and not having a reasonable option to upgrade. Uh, yeah, we talked about this in we've talked about this uh, on several episodes actually, because it's a thing like companies release pedals, and then they like a year later they release like an updated version of that pedal, and you may might end up in a situation where you bought your pedal well in this case three months ago, and now it's old in quotes at least, and. With, like we continued this, this discussion with him, and I brought, like I look kind of like the idea that you would maybe have have some sort of like upgrade plan at least. So if you bought the D one three months ago and there's a new one out, you would get like a you could return the one you have and just I don't know maybe pay a bit extra to get the new one or get a disc like a gigantic discount on the next pedal you're going to buy from them or I don't know something like that. Because otherwise it feels stupid to me. That's my opinion, at least. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And and the comment from K Papa there is, um, it reflects almost exactly what we discussed about this specific pedal. And I, I'm not surprised at all that he is a little bit frustrated about this. You know, yep. it's it's a situation that hasn't happened to me, but it. You could just imagine that it would be super annoying. You know, you, you spend up yeah. money, good money, three hundred dollars. That's not cheap, as is mentioned in the comment. Yep. And then you buy it, and then suddenly, just a couple of months later, just after it's too late for you to send it back to the store or whatever, a new version comes out, and yours is instantly old news, an old model. Yeah. That's um, yeah. that sucks. I mean, working for a company, working for a brand in this industry, I know why brands do it. But I personally, yeah. as a consumer, still can't agree with it. It's a shame. Yeah. And um, I have received feedback in my day job working with companies before from people who've had the same experience with the companies that I've worked for. You know, they have a product and then suddenly a new version of a product comes out and they feel like, why didn't you tell us that this was going to come out? Because then I would have bought the new one and waited. But um, yeah, I, I would recommend anyone in that situation writes to the companies concerned and Hopefully, at yeah. least, even if unfortunately you don't get any action taken that will help you out, you might cause that company to reconsider their future decisions. I don't know; it's possible. So, so why not do that in a respectful yep. way? Totally, totally agree. Yeah, just, just if you're just gonna write everything in all caps and swearing and stuff like that, I don't think your your point will come across as well as if you like just voice your frustrations and also point out that you actually like the company as this viewer clearly did. So, yeah. Unfortunately, we were right about this, at least to some extent. Yeah. And, yeah. 
before we wrap up the show, let's talk about something we think you should watch this weekend in a segment called Weekend Watch. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Video. It's not like you have anything else to do. Yeah, because you don't have anything else to do. What Nothing. you should do is to watch something from 12 Tone, a cool music um, educational channel. I don't even know how to describe it. That's a, it's a really unique style. He just basically writes and draws stuff on a paper and breaks down different songs and themes within those songs, uh, production things, music theory things. Cool video. He talks about different aspects of Bohemian Rhapsody in this case. And yeah, there was some things uh, I didn't know about the song. Uh, I've watched the movie, the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. I've read a bit about the album and like know the story, but I didn't know like about all the things people were trying to like guess. Like people were at some point, I guess, thought the song was about like. Uh, Freddie Mercury's uh, sexuality or something like that, but apparently it's not about that either. And yeah, I think that song, if I understand correctly, that song is still kind of a mystery to a lot of people, like what it is about actually. I love that, that, that we have things like that, even after all of these years. Yeah, we, we've talked about it quite a few times on this show, the fact that that the rock true. stars of the 60s and 70s and even the 80s had so much more mystique about them than today's modern star where you have access to them 24-7 on TikTok and Instagram and you know what they ate for breakfast and you know what they're up to this afternoon and you know what party they went to and where they're going to play a show and when something new happens, you find out about it instantaneously. But with bands like Queen, yep. they were just doing their thing and you know, they would show up in your town and play a show and then they'd go away again and you'd have to wait until the day after to read a newspaper review of the show or whatever and then, you know, maybe there'd be an interview with them in next month's NME or whatever musical magazine mm. was in your region at the time or whatever. But it was just a totally different way of finding out about artists and they were able to cultivate these um, these mysteries about what they did, you know. Think about bands like Led Zeppelin as well, like the the mystique and the hype and the the kind of the characters that they were able to build up just by being who they were. It was so different. And I, I like the fact that there are still so many facets of Queen and Freddie Mercury and other bands like that that we still don't know about because it gives us so much to yep. talk about. I haven't watched this video yet. And, you know, I'm sure there's truth in it. I'm sure there are bits that have been found out and confirmed by some of the other members of Queen. But I'm sure there are other bits where it's it's just guesswork as well, you know. And of course, lyric interpretation is always personal too. You know, one line to... Mr. Uh, Twelve Tone could be a completely different meaning to someone like you, Vlad. But just yep. to go back to Bohemian Rhapsody, we also mentioned a video by Rick Beato a few weeks ago. That was our mm. weekend watch a few weeks ago where he had an interview with Brian May, the guitarist in Queen, and he did an, an episode of his What Makes This Song Great series about Bohemian Rhapsody where he went into it a lot as well. So combine 12 tones video with Rick Beato's and you're getting a lot closer to understanding what goes on behind the scenes with songs like this. Yeah. Which just makes me think like, or makes me wonder like, how do you even write something like that? 
because there's so yeah. many things going on in that song. It's yeah. baffling. But yeah, yeah. such an incredible it's, kind it's, of artistry going on there. Freddie Mercury was a, a special talent. Yeah, indeed. I still like yeah. twelve tone style. Like, I wonder how many times he has to like redraw the whole damn page. Like he he draws and draws, reckon, and, draws and then he go like. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon that very rarely happens to him. I reckon that he plans his channel meticulously. It looks like yeah. he's just doodling away, but I reckon the whole thing is scripted. This is just a guess. I reckon the whole thing is scripted, yeah. and I reckon he also knows exactly what he's going to draw. And I find it yeah. hypnotic. You know, it's great to watch. Yeah. What I think would be really funny is if we would do a reaction video to this video where we kind of we just look at his doodles and we don't have his voice and we try and work out what he's saying based on the doodles. So our analysis of Bohemian Rhapsody based on the 12-tone doodles, I think that would be a really fun idea. Yeah, we, we got to do that as like a bonus episode. Pick a song that yeah. we know, so we have like some sort of chance to at least guess something. What's going on? Like, uh, he has a really cool video on breaking down superstition and all the drum grooves and everything. Like Stevie Wonder is just absolutely amazing doing all the rhythmical things in that song and like some, something like that, for example. Yeah. Not exa not that particular video, but yeah, I like the idea. <laughs> we got to do like some, some sort of special bonus reaction thing and see like if we get even, like how close do we actually get Probably not that close. And I'm going to guess that's absolutely the opposite ends of what he's talking yes. about. But that's that's the fun part. So, yeah. There you go. I think anyone watching this over the weekend, you're going to enjoy it and probably learn a lot about the Bohemian Rhapsody, even yes. though it's a song that has been dissected about 7 billion times already. This will be 7 billion and first, so... Yep, one more can't hurt. That. Certainly can't. And yeah, that wraps up Catwick Friday's episode 49. It's the 50th. Uh, is it an, an anniversary? Not quite yet. I need to actually check when was the first Catwick Friday's episode released because we, I think we need to do some sort of one-year special when we get there. But I think we're still at least a month away from that. I actually don't remember. I've got no idea. I'm going to figure that out. Yeah, got to figure that out. And we'll let you know when there will be like a special anniversary, anything. And yeah, links to everything we mentioned in the show notes. Uh, links to Rich's channel in the show notes, obviously, as well. West to Portable View as well. Merge, unlikely merge. And all kinds of things. You know how this works. Have a great weekend. And thank you so much for watching and listening and things like that. And as we do here on Cat Big Fridays, bye podcast. Bye podcast. <laughs>